8th, last Wednesday night, I believe it was. I've kind of lost track of days. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what days what here over these last few weeks. I think it was last Wednesday night, though. We were in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And tonight we will pick up in, in verse 8. And we'll read through about verse 17. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about Mary, and we've talked about Joseph and the angel appearing to them, and and talked about perhaps what may have been going through their mind and those events as they occurred. Uh, but what we saw with both Mary and Joseph is that they were obedient, that what God called them to, they, they were ready to do what God had called them to. Uh, we saw last Wednesday the birth of Jesus, and tonight we're going to see that the shepherds, it is revealed to them that the Messiah, the Savior, is born. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for these good words. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for us, dear Lord. We thank you that Jesus was willing to come for us. God, I don't know why you did it. And I don't know why Jesus did it, because quite frankly, we just, we're not worth much on our own, dear Lord. We are just sinners, undeserving of your grace. But, but then again, dear Lord, to you, we are worth a lot. And so I guess the question is answered, dear Lord. You did it because you love us. Not because we deserve it, but because you are good. And so we thank you, dear Lord, for sending Jesus. And we thank you that Jesus was willing to not just come, but to die so that we may be forgiven. And I pray that in these few minutes we have tonight, that your word would just speak to us, even if it's a passage perhaps we have heard a hundred times and read a hundred more, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help us to see the importance of your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, that is the region in which Jesus had just been born, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, we typically set aside December 25th to celebrate the birth of Jesus. However, we don't really know when Jesus was born, and it's not really that significant. What is significant is that God sent his one and only son into this world. And whether it was in March or whether it was in September or who knows, maybe it was December the 25th, it doesn't matter. Some have tried to calculate the time of year by when shepherds would keep watch over their flocks by night. And, and I don't know what day Jesus was born, and it doesn't really matter what day Jesus was born. The fact of the matter is, he was born. And as the angel appeared to the shepherds, some of your translations may say an angel of the Lord. Some may say the angel of the Lord. There may be some significance to that. In the Old Testament, uh, particularly, we see the angel of the Lord. And in some occasions, when it says the angel of the Lord, it may very well be a theophany. Now, that's a big fancy word to say it may very well be God. That is, that is seen in some of these instances. 
It may just simply be an angel of the Lord. Uh, it's hard to know in this particular uh, situation, but it seems to me that perhaps it's just simply an angel of the Lord that has appeared to these shepherds. And as is usually the case when an angel appears to people, as we have talked about with both Mary and Joseph, it says that uh, they were afraid. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. Now, the glory of the Lord has got to be this magnificent thing. And I don't even know how to describe it. I don't even know that we could describe it. If we were to see God in all of his glory and survive, I don't know that we could even speak of his glory and describe it in terms that could be understood. You may remember way back, I believe it was in Exodus 33, that Moses asked God, he said, God, I want to see your glory. And God responded to Moses, no one can see my face and live. That is, I think what God was saying is, you can't see my full glory. You're not ready to see the fullness of my glory. You can't handle it. But God did tell Moses, I'll let you see a little bit of me. And so Moses got to see a glimpse of the glory of God, and his face glowed for some time after that. And I imagine that even the smidgen of God's glory that Moses was able to see was something that was phenomenal. And here the shepherds get a glimpse of the glory of God. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. I suspect that when we have this imagery of the glory of the Lord shining, we see when we, uh, when we think about <clears throat> being with the Lord forever, it says there will be no, no sun and moon, there will be no day and night. It's the, the, the Lord will be the light of his people. And so we see that type of imagery here that the glory of the Lord shone around his people. Now, we can't see and, 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 and fully soak in the glory of the Lord now, but one day we will. Miss Lena Pearl is seeing the glory of the Lord in its fullness today. Miss Joanne is seeing the fullness of the Lord, uh, fullness of the glory of the Lord today. And, and all of those who have gone before us who are in the presence of the Lord, but but we are left to wonder what the glory of the Lord must look like. And we see maybe just a glimpse of that through the pages of Scripture. But here, these shepherds, as the angel of the Lord appeared to them, they saw the glory of the Lord, and it was a frightening thing, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, as angels often say, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, perhaps this was the greatest, the greatest message that had ever been uttered. For, for thousands of years now, since God had made creation, humanity had sinned and our sin had gotten us into a lot of trouble. It had caused a lot of trouble. Death had entered into the picture and sickness and disease and all of the things that come along with sin had entered into the picture. And now, after sin had seemingly kind of ruled for all of these years, now there is a solution to the sin. And so the angel says to the shepherd, hey, don't be afraid. I know this is a scary thing. I'm appearing to you seeing the glory of the Lord. But I want to tell you, don't be afraid because of what I'm about to tell you. And the angel says, I proclaim to you good news and great joy. 
our good tidings of great joy may be what some of us remember from the King James. That slogan's actually on my on my sweater today. Good news, uh, great news, uh, good news, great joy. That's the slogan of Samaritan's Purse, and and it comes from from this very passage. Because what better news is there today? Now I might could tell you today that. You were going to be a millionaire. I may could tell you today that everything that was on your Christmas list you were going to receive. I may could tell you today that you're going to be successful in your career and you're going to be famous and you're going to be a movie star. I could tell you a host of things today, and you may say, that is good news. But all of the things that I could tell you pale in comparison to this news. Because the news that the angel was bringing was God has sent his son into the world so that all of humanity's sins could be forgiven through him. Now, what better news is there than that? Well, there is no better news than that. And so when we hear that news, even today, some 2,000 years later, we have great joy. Man, what a great joy it is to know that we are sinners not deserving of God's grace, but yet God sent his son into the world so that we could receive his grace. That is good news. And when we accept that good news as truth and we put our faith in the one the good news is about, what great joy fills our souls. And so the angel says, today I bring to you good news, the best news that there has ever been. And guess what? It was good news for the shepherds, and it is still just as good for you and I today. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for who? It will not just be for the people of Israel. It will not just be people from a certain bloodline. It will not be people of a certain race. It will not be people of, of any, any kind of distinction other than if you are a living, breathing person, Jesus Christ has come into this world so that your sins may be forgiven. Jesus Christ has come for all people. That's good news. And that should bring us great joy. <clears throat> Verse 11, today a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. Now, interestingly enough, the language referring to Jesus as a Savior appears to be very sparse when we look at the gospel accounts. We see Luke mention it here, and uh, I found at least one, one instance where John refers to Jesus as Savior, Luke, again, uses a reference to Jesus as Savior a couple of times in the book of Luke. But, but you would think, or I would have thought, that, man, it would, it would say all through the Gospels, Jesus is Savior. But, but that particular language, at least so far as I can tell, uh, seems to be very sparse. Now, there is no question as we read through the rest of the New Testament. Uh, and, and even if this was the only passage in all of Scripture that said it, that would be sufficient evidence uh, to us. But... But the fact that, that Luke would use this word that, that is, is not used very often uh, in the gospel accounts is a powerful word. He is a savior. What is he saving us from? Well, we just talked about it. We are sinners. We are doomed to die because that is the wages of sin. And so Jesus comes and he saves us. And so Luke says, today a savior who is Messiah the Lord or Christ the Lord. Now that's that's the same word. You say, no, it's not the same word. It don't sound the same. Well, it is the same word. Sometimes we see the Greek and the Hebrew word, uh, depending on your translation, it may use one or the other. Now, the, the Messiah that we say 
that that comes from the way the Hebrew word is pronounced. But the the Greek version of that Hebrew word is Christ. And so when we say Jesus Christ, uh, it, it, it means the anointed one or Messiah. It's the same thing. The Messiah is the one who was to come. He was the one who was to come from God to be the Savior of his people. And so uh, sometimes we say Jesus Christ. That's probably the most common uh, title that we, that we see of Jesus. But if your translation says Jesus Messiah, as some translations do, same word. Uh, it makes no difference. Uh, Christ, Messiah, it's the same word, same person. He is the Lord, and he was born where? In the city of David. Here we see this mention of David again. Here's a good assignment for you if you got a few minutes. Go back and read the Christmas story here or the story of the birth of Jesus, I should say, in Luke, and see how many times David is mentioned. Now, I've talked about this when we talked about Mary, when we talked about Joseph. Even, even in Matthew's account there, we see David mentioned. But we see quite a few references that mention uh, uh, David. Uh, there's this, there's this, this focus to tie us back to David. Why? Because... It's pointing us back to the scriptures that spoke of one who was going to come from David and sit on the throne forever. And so these references, these mentions of, of David, perhaps are to bring our attention back to those Old Testament passages. Verse 12, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough or in a manger. So you have to imagine that this was probably a pretty intense thing for the shepherds. I don't suspect that this was happening all the time. It's not like the shepherds were just sitting out there and the angels were coming to them every couple days and they say, hey, angel, what's up? Good to see you again. How's things been up in heaven? I mean, that's not the way it was. This was, this was probably the one and only time that the angel appears. And we see that by the shepherd's reaction. And so the angel says, hey, I'm telling you this, that the Messiah is born. And so you can know that everything I'm telling you is so, and it is what it is. Here's how you're going to know when you find this one that we're telling you about. You're not going to find the king born in a palace with a silver spoon in his mouth. You are going to find the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, you will find him wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. And so the shepherds were not going to mistake Jesus for anybody else. I suspect it is likely that there were no other children, perhaps in the world, that were wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I would venture to say that Jesus was probably the only one. And so the shepherds hear this good news of great joy, and the angel says, you're going to find him, and this is what he's going to look like. This is how you're going to know you found him. Verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, I suspect that simply being in the presence of one angel would have been an astonishing sight to see, an experience to be part of, but yet not only did one angel appear to the shepherds, but after receiving the good news of great joy, a multitude of heavenly hosts came. 
a multitude of angels, a bunch of angels, probably tens of thousands upon thousands of angels. Now, can you imagine what sight that would have looked like? Was it only the shepherds who saw this? Was there, was there something in the atmosphere? Was there something in the air that maybe others in the area would have seen? I don't know the answer to that question. Perhaps it was like some other instances, maybe where the Lord appeared to someone and it was only the shepherds who were able to see. But if it was just the shepherds, that would have been a, a, an amazing experience. And when the heavenly host arrived, they sang glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Even the angels were rejoicing. They were rejoicing in the coming of the Son of God. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in the feeding trough. So when they heard this good news, they didn't just say, okay, well, we'll check it out later. They didn't say, oh, we got to take care of these sheep. These sheep are really important. We'll check this out when they get a moment. No, when God revealed something to these shepherds, they said, we got to go check this out. God has spoken to us. We have seen the glory of God. We have seen an angel of God followed by a multitude of angels, and they have just told us the greatest news that has ever been uttered on this earth. We're going to check this out. Now, that needs to be our response. Wouldn't it be fantastic if everybody in the world who heard the word of God and if we went up to them and said, let me tell you good news of great joy, if they responded in this way, we have heard the word of God. We want to see what it's all about. We want to see the Savior. That, that, that would be a fantastic world that we lived in if that was the world's response. Often that's not the response. But man, wouldn't it be fantastic if it was? Verse 17. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. So they went off and they found Jesus and Mary and Joseph, just as the angels had said, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And after they had heard the word of God about the Messiah, after they had, had, had gone to seek out and found the Messiah, what did they do? It says, after seeing him, they reported the message they were told. And that's what you and I are called to. We come here today and we read this passage. And even though it's not revealed to us by a multitude of heavenly hosts, the black and white words on the pages of God's word are sufficient to us. It's the same good news that we should receive with the same great joy. And upon hearing the news of Jesus Christ and accepting that news and being forgiven of our sins and receiving that great joy, our response needs to be the same as the shepherds, that we go out and we tell others what we have seen, what has been revealed to us, what we have experienced. Now, we go out into the world and we can, we can bring good tidings of great joy and some may accept it and others may reject it. But we must be faithful. 
I suspect that some that the shepherds told probably said, you guys are crazy. You are not. You saw what? You saw a multitude of heavenly hosts. What's a multitude of heavenly hosts? You found the Son of God wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I suspect that some probably said the shepherds were crazy. But there were some who were looking and seeking. And when they heard the news of the Messiah, I suspect that some were very excited. What about us? Does the word of God excite us? Does what Jesus Christ did excite us? And when we've experienced the joy of Jesus Christ, do we go into the world to tell others what we have experienced? Well, I hope the answer to those questions is yes. I hope that, that we have all put our faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that we have heard the good news of great joy. And I hope that when we go into the world, that we too share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we... Thank you for your word, dear Lord. <clears throat> we thank you for giving us the evidence, God, if we are willing to accept it. And I hope everybody in this room is willing to accept the truth of your word. God, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God, that is good news. So I pray, God, that everyone in this room has accepted the good news. God, I pray that if we have, that we are living in the joy, receiving the joy that comes from knowing that we have been forgiven. God, I pray that you would help us to be so faithful as those shepherds, to hear your good news, to seek what you reveal to us through your word, and to be faithful to tell others the good news of great joy. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.